Well, good evening. Welcome to the Tea Party. This is Enlightenment Radio, your host, Mystic Guide. Why am I a Mystic Guide? Because I have the map. I show you where to go. This map leads us to enlightenment. If you believe it, you understand it, and you become enlightened, then you have a choice to say, yes, this is the truth that I will follow and believe. Tonight, the third part of a three-part series, Our Kingdom Reign. Our Kingdom Reign is in my book, Christ in a Mystery, a Mystical Approach to Conscious Enlightenment out of the Scriptures. And I remember telling you about the fulcrum and the crux of me writing this book was this special chapter on our kingdom reign. I knew that we had a reward much greater, much more galactic, much more out of proportion than anybody ever imagined. And I had it for most of my life, burning in my heart. And I started finding and developing scriptures and other, other comparisons. And this chapter, I believe, is the most accurate chapter, uh, most accurate description of what will be taking place after our gathering together, our rapture, they call it. But I call it, and we call it, the quickening. The quickening, we are transformed from body, soul, and spirit, and it is fused into one. We become a spiritual being, and we are translated. We've already been translated into a spiritual kingdom in the eyes of God. And this kingdom says that it is from everlasting to everlasting. Look, Psalm 145, your kingdom... And we're talking about this spiritual kingdom. If God is spirit, God is spirit. When they say we are in the image of God, you have to be a spiritual being to be in the image of God. Not everyone is. Matter of fact, most people aren't. For your kingdom, Psalm 145.13, is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. And Revelations 11.15 says, the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. It's the kingdoms, it says in plural in King James. Kingdoms. And I bet if I look up this word world, which I don't have time to right now, it's going to be the world co word cosmos. So, without any further to do, we're going to get right into the scripture, right into this dynamic, new, misunderstood, misinterpreted, mistranslated kingdom which God will give us individually as we receive rewards after the church is gathered up. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus Christ for the words we are about to hear, that they will be understood clearly and concisely by each and every one of us who are sitting here wanting to learn more and more and be enlightened, to become your sons and daughters with knowledge. It is your desire that we be filled with accurate knowledge and the truth. The truth will set you free. 
and the truth will keep you on course. And rightly dividing the word is what gives us the truth. This is what we're doing. I think for your protection around every believer here today and the Tea Party as they go about into their world and do their work for the Lord, remember? In the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you. So, we ended with considering the sufferings in the present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us and for us. And for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Why? For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who was subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from the bondage of corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. When this awakens the big picture inside your heart and soul, you'll have truly reached the point of no turning back. This is the event horizon of our lives. So, now, this part here, I get to the end of the chapter, and I start comparing heavens with other writers. And I've narrowed it down. Well, I'll, I'll just go ahead and read it, because you know me. If I go ahead and teach it, I'm going to read it again. <laughs> the topic and details of heaven is probably the most opinionated, ambiguous, written-about subject of every religion around the world, especially among Christians. You know, the Jews never believed they were going to heaven, never heard of it. I consider the two most non-scriptural beliefs today to be, one, there is an afterlife immediately after you die for your soul. That's a myth. The new heaven, after Christ's return, is actually a millennial kingdom established here on earth, made up of people of good enough from all walks of faith, who will forever, in the presence of the Lord, presiding over a utopian society where evil and wicked no longer exist, but burn forever in a mythical furnace called hell. This is a, still a big myth. Rather than compiling all the sermons, books, hymnals, mythology, ghost stories, they call them NDEs, near-death experiences, all those books combined, seances, Catholic and Protestant traditions, new age and metaphysical concepts to just plain wishful thinking and guessing. I have chosen a most current, well-acclaimed book that has wide acceptance and has viewpoints and interpretations comparable to this chapter on Our Kingdom Reign. It's the book called, well, it's called Heaven by Randy Alcorn, A-L-C-O-R-N. You're welcome to get it, read it, compare it. It is the best-selling book published October 2004. So you can imagine there may be a few revisions since then. With the usual follow-up of chain Follow-up chain of workbooks with Bible study, daily devotions. You know, when you get a hit book, <laughs> you, you uh, how shall I say, you work it, man. You start putting out workbooks and part two and part three and all of that. Well, that's what he's done. And, oh, page turner. 
Best-selling book, though. I you got to hand it to him. Look at this. Uh, he gives his numbers here. With uh, his usual follow-up chain of workbooks and Bible study, daily devotions, videos, pamphlets, and po- post-publications associated with the same title to continue on the heels of its first success and financial gain. Randy Alcorn is an author and the founder and director of Eternal Perspective Ministries based out of Oregon. That's a state here in the United States, but boy, is it (laughs) not much longer. And is the best-selling author who has sold over 10 million books, so you got to give him his uh, due. I'm not endorsing his ministry or teachings, but what better book to use in comparison than this one that is so popular? So I will start with what I disagree with. Now, you can't (laughs) follow along with this because you can't see that it's in red and blue. I will start with what I disagree with in red and move quickly to his points that I found to be extraordinarily in alignment with God's word in blue concerning our ruling and kingdoms in such a manner as I have laid out from the scripture. So I will just say it's in red or it's in blue, okay? So what's in red, I disagree with. What's in blue, I do not agree with, or the scriptures. Actually, doesn't matter whether I agree with it or not. It matters if the scriptures align up with it or not, or if he's interpreting them properly or not. Let's just use that method. First, he misinterprets all his future visions that are written in the Old Testament and Gospels to the Jews, which typically places everyone together with no distinction between Jew and and born-again Christian and other nations in a new heaven kingdom, which has mysteriously moved from heaven to really become the new earth. He doesn't even, I just heard him a clip from his video. He doesn't even think it's going to be the new earth. He thinks it's going to be the old earth. So that's what people do. They do not distinguish, this is just, unheard of that they don't rightly divide the Jew from the Christian and where we're going to be. Jews have no intention or never even thoughts of going to heaven. So that's a misinterpretation of his that is pretty blatant. The most often mistaken interpretation is the paradise is heaven. In his chapter 22, titled, How Will We Rule God's Kingdom? He relies heavily on his point of view from Daniel chapter 7, from his references, as a lot of false prophets do. In Daniel 7, we're given a prophetic revelation, this is his words, of four earthly kingdoms, beginning with Nebuchadnezzar's Babylon that will one day be forever replaced by a fifth kingdom. There before me was one like the Son of Man coming out of the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power over all people, nations, and men of every language worshipped. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, 
and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Now, this is in red. Because the four pagan kingdoms are on earth, the implication is that the fifth kingdom, God's eternal kingdom, will also be on earth. These authors continually avoid the many verses placing those born again during the age of the mystery which you and I belong to, this new age of grace. In the kingdom of heaven, the spiritual realm, and place us on earth where they have now somehow managed to reinvent heaven. This is what my pet peeve is. Now, back to reading in red. Let me read the footnote. That is stated plainly in one review of Alcorn book referred to. Now, this is a review of it. The points he makes about heaven are backed up by Bible verses. I've never realized that people who are dead are already in heaven. Just not the final one. When Jesus returns to earth and the new earth becomes heaven, the earth returns to the state that it was prior to the first sin of the Garden of Eden. It is very comforting to understand these things more. This was one reviewer comes away thinking that when reading Alcorn's book on heaven, that could be, couldn't be further from the truth. There's no one alive. There's nobody alive in heaven except the Lord Jesus Christ who's ever lived before. So he got that from Alcorn's book. And this really is Platoism. Plato's the one who started that your soul is immortal and then that it transmigrates. And it's really Greek hedonism, Hellenistic thinking that has influenced so many Christian believers. So they place us on earth, which they have now somehow managed to reinvent as heaven. But it's earth. Anything on earth is paradise, people. It's not heaven. The clear meaning of Daniel 7, this is all in red, is that the coming reign of God and his people will take place on earth. Again, the confusion lies in the blatant observation in red, where will God's kingdom be in order to replace those kingdoms on earth? Then he says, this is in blue, which I agree with. Under God's covenant with Israel, the people never looked for a Messiah to reign in heaven. That's true. Let me repeat that. God's covenant, under God's covenant, the Old Testament with Israel, the people never looked for a Messiah to reign in heaven. That last part is true, but my dear people, we are not Israel. <laughs> we are the spiritual entity of Christ, the mystery of a greater glory in heaven. Alcorn does, however, make several points that we assuming Christians, will be in rulership authority along with Christ, and his, he also debunks the millennial kingdom theory that has become so predominant among today's eschatologist theologians. An eschatologist is someone who um, establishes themselves as... <clears throat> The end times. Let's just put an eschatologist as an end times expert, supposedly. Uh, 
I'm kind of mixed about this because he says he debunks the millennial kingdom theory that has become so predominant, and yet I just heard him talk about I think he's been pressured into talking about it and believing it and placing it. So I would not doubt, since I have written my book or his book on heaven, that he has sort of succumbed to the peer pressure that we are somehow going to end up in a millennial kingdom. But the saints, Jews are also referred to as saints in this context. The Most High will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever. Yes, forever and ever, Daniel 7, 18. This statement makes clear both the kingdom's location earth and its duration eternal. Some theologians reduce Daniel 7 to a promise that God's saints will reign with Christ during the millennium. But the text couldn't be clearer. It says forever and ever, not a thousand years. It just, where do they get that? It says, but the saints, and the Jews are referred to as saints in that context of Daniel. Of the Most High will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever, yes, forever and ever. So that's not a thousand years, is it? But the text couldn't be clear. It says forever and ever, not a thousand years. Acorn goes on to point out the everlasting verses. Many other passages also affirm an earthly reign that will last forever. In Joshua 14, 9, 2 Samuel 7, 16, Isaiah, and there's other scriptures. You can go to my chapter and read them that declare the kingdom forever. The angel Gabriel told Mary that Christ will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will never end. The Bible is full of these verses. Luke one thirty three. Okay, now I've written in blue that I agree with this. Regardless of whether one believes in a literal millennial, millennium, passages such as one that I just cited here shouldn't be understood as the millennial references. They refer instead to an everlasting kingdom. Everlasting, folks, is everlasting. They play games with words. They really do. Like the Trinitarians do. I call it uh, verbal gymnastics. <laughs> what they do with words is like a circus act. So... <clears throat> He makes the point there is no such thing as a millennial kingdom. He does make that point, which I agree. Yet again, all the verses he uses pertain to Israel. This is what blows my mind, which makes my point in tandem that paradise is restored on earth. Remember the thief on the cross? Remember me when you come unto your kingdom? And Jesus actually corrects him. Thus today I say unto you, I will, this day I shall See you in paradise. You shall be with me in paradise. Well, that's not his kingdom. Paradise is on earth. So he straightened him out because that thief was going to die before he got a chance to get born again. That's why. Regardless of whether one believes in a literal millennial passages such as one cited here shouldn't be understood as millennial references. So he makes the point there is no such thing as a millennial kingdom, which I agree. Yet again, all verses he uses pertain to Israel, 
which makes my point in tandem that paradise is restored on earth for Israel and is not a millennial kingdom. Nowhere in the scriptures, in the epistles written to us, the body of Christ, the new covenant, do they place the spiritual kingdom of heaven on earth? Nowhere. Nowhere. You cannot find it. Yet they stand in front of the pulpits day after day, week after week, declaring, we've got a millennial kingdom we're going to. You might be going there, but I'm not. <laughs> you and I aren't. That's paradise. They just get the word paradise and heaven twisted around. Nowhere in all the scriptures, I just said that, but always refer to Christians being eternally in heaven above. Always. When Jesus, you know what some people want to, want, to, want to say? Well, heaven just means above. No, heaven is a spiritual kingdom. They just want to change the meaning of words. There are, in context, yes, heaven means just above. But there are also, in the context, where spiritual, heaven means a spiritual kingdom. It always has and always will. Nowhere in all the scriptures and the epistles written to us a new covenant do they place the spiritual kingdom of heaven on earth, but always refers to Christians being eternally in the heavens above. When Jesus ascended into heaven, it was above. When Philip was stoned and he looked up into heaven and he saw Jesus standing on the right hand of God, we are told to seek those things which are above, not below on earth, where Christ sits on the right hand above. Or no, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Look at this major glaring contradiction. Then we'll move on to the key concepts we agree with. This is in red. Establishing God's kingdom was never about an immaterial spirit realm. It's a common but serious mistake to spiritualize the eternal kingdom of God. My God, that is a glaring lie if I ever saw one. It's an error, E-R-R-O-R. -R -R. This is in his book. Establishing God's kingdom was never about an immaterial spirit realm. It's a common but serious mistake to spiritualize the eternal kingdom of God. I just have to stop. <laughs> Take a breath when people say stupid things like that and they call themselves Bible scholars. I, 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 and his book is the number one selling book on heaven. I just have to stop and wonder, what is he thinking? What's he reading? <laughs> okay. That's when you want to... <laughs> See, I do that all the time. That's when you want to take this book and throw it in the fireplace. <laughs> That's what I wrote in my chapter. <laughs> the entire purpose of the Bible, God's Word, is to make known the spiritual realm and its superior transcendence over all of life's temporary earthly existence. People, that's what the Bible is about from Genesis to Revelation. That we got a spiritual kingdom waiting for us. That God is spirit and he lives in a spiritual kingdom. The earth is his footstool. <laughs> that's about it. Wow. I 
Actually, I did. I wrote that in my chapter. I forgot. I about threw it in the fireplace. The entire purpose of the Bible. How and why do these people even become scholars and teachers of God's people who are crying out for knowledge and understanding of our Heavenly Father, a spirit God, who sacrificed everything, including a son, to create a family of spiritual beings. Yet he opens this chapter with a purely spiritual statement. This is in blue. When we read that God promises us an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, that's 1 Peter 1, 4, we may think of this inheritance as heaven or its pleasures. But God not only gives pleasures to his heirs, he also gives us power, positions of authority in his eternal kingdom. Now we're getting to what I agree with and what I've been teaching in my book. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. That's in Romans. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Whatever Christ powers, whatever he owns or he inherited, we have too. In the same chapter, he reaches a rather remarkable turning point that jettisons one's imagination to a much closer view of our glorious kingdom of the cosmos. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. The word in Isaiah 9-7 is increase. Wow. Nearly every major English translation of the Bible renders the Hebrew word meribeth as increase or expansion. In other words, Christ, this is all blue, Christ's government of the new earth and the new universe will be ever-expanding. You know, kind of like the earth, we, we started out with two people, now we got, what, seven billion? <laughs> Same type of thing. It may be that Christ's government will always increase because he will continually create new worlds to govern. This is what he says. I am not of the opinion that Christ creates, but I could be wrong. And perhaps new creations to inhabit this new those new worlds. You see where I'm it all starting to fit now. Why would we inherit such a galactic-sized kingdom if it's not going to be populated? Or perhaps it will always increase because the new universe, though still finite, may be so vast that what Christ creates in a moment, he uses the word Christ creates will never be exhaustively known by finite beings. From what we know, our current universe with billions of galaxies, galaxies containing millions and billions of stars and untold planets, this is certainly possible. The restoration of the current universe alone will provide unimaginable territories for us to explore and establish dominion over to God's glory. Wow. I will continue from this uh, comparison in a moment. We'll be right back. 
You are in tune to Enlightenment Radio, home of the ultimate knowledge of body, soul, and spirit, and unlimited music 24-7. Be sure and visit our website at enlightenment-radio.com. There you can journey through the mystical voyage and also view our schedule of programming. Thank you for listening. So, we are finalizing the kingdom reign, our kingdom reign, so you will clearly come away understanding completely our future is eternal, not some millennial period. And I want to point out, I had not seen this before, Robbie, if pardon me. Tea Party with us, Kingdom Reign Part 3. That's a beautiful, beautiful picture. Light shining through the clouds, lighting up the water, the still waters, peace. Represents a lot. Nice, nice job, Robbie. So, I will continue. Will everyone be given the opportunity to rule in the new universe? The Apostle Paul said that eternal rewards are available. Not only me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing, 2 Timothy 4.8. The word is all encouraging. The Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. That's Ephesians 6.8. Matthew 6, 20, 16, 27. The word everyone is again encouraging. It won't be just a select few rewarded with positions of leadership. Should we be excited that God will reward us by making us rulers of his kingdoms? <laughs> Absolutely, Jesus said. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. <laughs> Great is your reward on earth? No. I can get rewards on earth right now. I can make them myself. You know, I can become a millionaire, a Wall Street billionaire. There are all kinds of ways to have rewards on earth, but not like God's going to give us in heaven. Rejoice and be glad. That's Matthew 5.12. Because great 
is your reward in heaven. He doesn't say maybe. He doesn't distinguish anyone. Your rewards are great. Where? In heaven. Mm. Here's another quote via, uh, validating our kingdom reign beyond earth. Cosmos. C-O-S-M-O-S. Famous Moody Church scholar. Now, boy, when Moody Church speaks, you got to, those theologians know what they're talking about. <laughs> they're so theologically eat up with themselves. You can't fit their egos in the same room. <laughs> Famous Moody Church scholar and author Erwin Lutzer, that's a big one, the discovery of the immensity. Now, this is a theologian saying this, who's supposed to go along with the millennial kingdom, but here he doesn't. The discovery of the immensity of the universe does not diminish but actually magnify man's role in the cosmos. I couldn't have said it better. For if Christ is to rule over all things, and we are to reign with him, then we will be ruling over all the galaxies, affirming Christ's lordship over the whole universe. Sometimes I refer to him as the cosmic Christ. Wow. <clears throat> now that's a theologian from Moody saying that, not me. So it lines up in harmony with this chapter. Again, another reference from Dallas Theological Seminary scholar Joseph Dello, another bunch of egotists, but they, once in a while they get it right. Using text such as Psalm 8, 4 through 6, and Hebrews 2, 6 through 8, points out that several verses give us a glimpse into the future kingdom. He says several verses give us a glimpse into the future kingdom. Just a glimpse. <laughs> this future kingdom embraces the entire created order. That's what I've been saying all of these years. This is why I wrote this book, because it doesn't pertain to us coming back to earth. This future kingdom embraces the entire created order. You see, it was created in order, now it's in disorder. It's waiting for us to take over. One day mankind will conquer the galaxies. While it is true that one purpose of the heavens was to declare the glory of God, it seems that they were also created to be placed in subjection to man. Wow. Instead of merely being destined to rule a small planet, Mankind has been chosen to subdue something far greater, the vast cosmos itself. I didn't write it, he did. And it agrees perfectly with what we've been going along with here, Tea Party, and you three Germans that are listening in Germany. <laughs> hey, mankind has been chosen to subdue something far greater, the vast cosmos itself. No challenge could be greater than to be placed over all the works of God's hands. This is because by reading Psalm 8, we understand the psalmist declares that all of the magnificent creation, including the moon and the stars, are the work of God's fingers. Man, although insignificant today, is destined to rule over the works of God's hands. See Psalm 8, 3 through 6. 
Wow. And this is from a, um, I'll go ahead and give him a plug. Final Destiny, the future reign of the servant kings. That's by uh, that theologian, Joseph Dillo. Well, is to discover that which is hidden. Let me, did I skip reading something? Yes. I did. My bad. I was reading from the uh, footnote. We are ever confronted with mystery. It is mystery which makes life entrancing, fascinating. And God understands this. It is why the scriptures say, it is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the glory of kings is to search it out. Isn't that beautiful? God knows that we are all, that we all want to be kings, that we are made to reign, R-E-I-G-N. And the glory of kings is to discover that which has been hidden. Well, that which has been hidden has been revealed according to God's desire to make known that the riches of the glory is Christ in you, that in all things he might have preeminence because all things visible and invisible in heaven and on earth were created by him, God. That's in Colossians, and I know that that particular verse, people think Christ created it. That's why they say he's God. But they don't understand. Paul spoke in parenthetical phrases quite often. And that's a parenthetical phrase become, because all things visible and invisible in heaven and upon earth were created by him, in parentheses, God, because it's a parenthetical phrase. Whether thrones or lordships or rulers or authorities, so all things have been created by him, God, and for him, God. And he is, or he has, past tense. He has, past tense, delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, spiritually. Then it is only a matter of time when his son returns as king of kings to place his holy in our glorious God-given position of authority and rulership. Colossians 1, 13, 16 through 18. Let me read that footnote. Translated. So if it says we've already been delivered from the power of darkness and translated, now I will interpret that word, translate, is to transfer. To translate means to transfer or to Removed from one place or position to another, as in moving from one vocational place to another, as being exalted. That's a journey through the Acts of the Epistles, interpretation by Walter Cummins, a good friend of mine, also transmit a transfer of energy from one place to another. Wow. I love the transfer of energy. Truth is that heaven is an infinite spiritual zone above and beyond earth and anything earthly imaginable. This is where our kingdom of the kingdom's sphere reside, a domain devoid of space and time as we know it. I imagine such a heavenly dimension, and I also find 
accommodations when I visit paradise on earth. See, we have free reign from heaven and earth. That's what they don't get. We have free reign. We're not stuck on earth. We just have free reign. And we're going to have some fine accommodations here, too. <laughs> Let me okay, yeah, we got very little to go to here. So we'll be right back with our conclusion. I hope this is enlightening you. Then this, stand by, this conclusion is fantastic. listening to is coming from enlightenment radio sound waves that lift your consciousness enhance your mood and transcends time and space visit our website at enlightenment-radio.com where you'll be guided each level of transformation to become an enlightened one That's from the planet Dune, by the way. I don't know. We might. The, we might find that planet Dune <laughs> with the spice melange that makes you fold space. <laughs> I don't know. My imagination runs wild when I start thinking about our kingdom reign. When I start thinking about it, I just lie in bed at night, sorrowful about something that's happened that day, but then I could come overcome it with the glory that is coming. And I sometimes tear up. I feel like it now. What God has done for us through his son, Jesus Christ. He's delivered us from this evil. He's already transferred us from the corruption of this world. He's already given us holiness. We're holy. We're righteousness of God. People, you can't let them cheat you out of it day after day after day by telling you you are not worthy. You are not worthy of heaven. You go to a Baptist, they call this Baptist country here in the South, you cannot walk into a Baptist church without coming away feeling so guilty, so full of sin, that you have to come back next week to give more money, to feel more sin, to feel more guilt. That's what their program works. And every year there's a major scandal in that church. <laughs> I remember the head of the Southern Baptist, what do they call it, union, whatever, the Southern Baptist Coalition, whatever it is, one night, the head of it, his house burned down. You know why? Because his wife found out he was having an affair and she burned it down. <laughs> that, is what, that is what we're getting away from, people. False prophets, false teachers, liars, hypocrites. We're getting away from all of that. Thank God. 
So our mission, conclusion, my mission was clarified years ago to lead people under the way of God more perfectly. What that I got that I didn't originate that. Now I got that from Aquila and Priscilla when they took Apollos aside because he was preaching water baptism and he was knew the scriptures very well, but not the scriptures of the New Testament. And Apollos after that he went around and he won millions or one thousands for the Lord. So my mission I'm not an evangelist. I'm just not. I cannot really, I don't really go up to people and start from the beginning. Do you know the Lord Jesus loves you? Do you know that Jesus Christ loves you? And open up, give them a pamphlet. That's just not my thing. My thing is to lead people. And I got this mission statement 23 years ago. To lead people in the way of God more perfectly. In other words, you already are a believer. But I, I uplift you, I enlighten you, make you understand it more perfectly, which is the mystery. They don't know the mystery. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. I added that later. That's Paul. Keeping our walk may be as simple as Jesus spoke. Then said they unto him, what shall we do? that we might work the works of God. Jesus answered the most beautiful, simple answer and said unto them, this is the work of God that you believe on him who he has sent. Wow. Some people just struggle. What can I do to do the works of the God? John 6, 28, 29. Jesus said, just as Simple as can be. This is the work of God that you believe on him whom he has sent. In other words, Jesus Christ. Christ has done it all for us people in the spiritual realm. And God has given us his word and preserved it through generations. I am amazed what pains it must have taken to preserve these words in order and in alignment so that it still teaches us the truth. Some people want to poo-poo the Bible. Oh, it's been changed. It's been rewritten. It's been mistranslated. It's been misquoted. It's been changed so many times. What can you believe? It's just a history book. It's an old folks book. It's a nothing book. It's the only book, people. If you ever pick up a book, it's the only book to pick up. It's the only book to read. It's the only book to believe. Not Time Life magazine. Not People magazine. Christ has done it for us all. I can only speak to this generation and those of us who have had the fortune of freedom to choose between our calling. My God, what if you didn't have a choice? Like in China, North Korea. I know there was a time in India when they burned Bibles. I know there was. I have a good friend, Carlo Bruno Caparino. His mission, he was a former capo for the mafia in New York in the 60s. He ran one-third of New York for the Gambino family. He was born in Sicily, came over to America. He didn't want any part of the mafia, but he got 
succumbed into it, but later he turned his life around, and he started smuggling Bibles into China. And I don't mean Hong Kong and just on the beach. I mean deep into China, deep into communist China. They could have just shot him to death right there. This one communist guard female, she looked and turned the other way when he walked by because she knew where he was going with those Bibles. So God was with him. He had the Bible. He took all the time and effort to make that Bible printed in Chinese. And as far as I know, there was no Bible in Chinese then. Now we live in a digital age. He was a brave man. I, I don't know if I'd have been that brave. I, really, I wasn't called to do that, go on missions. So I can only speak of this generation. For those of us who have had the fortune of freedom to choose between our calling, remaining faithful to what we have learned, and teaching others along the way. Study to show yourself approved unto God, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's a standard scripture verse. To believe on him is to follow his command, that there is what? One God. That's Jesus Christ's command. That's the command of Israel. That's the commandment of the whole Bible. That's the constitution of the Bible. One God. And to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Yes, Jesus Christ said, our God, and also emphasized to love yourself. This love of God will attract those who are lost and seeking. Be aware of every moment that you have a purpose and that you are vital, especially to him who has called us, called you. Stay away from idols, false religions. Ascend and remain in the light. Acknowledge the inner faith of the mystery you've been initiated into. Now that you've become an enlightened one, follow after the love of God and be continuously thankful for his grace. For your reward and calling is great. The keys to the kingdom. But when that which is perfect is come, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a mature believer, I gave up childish ways. For now we see through a mirror dimly. But when face to face, we shall see him as he is. For now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide. And of these three, but the greatest of these three is the love of God. Here's the keys to Galaxy 9. God bless you people. Thank you for tonight's teaching. Thank you for standing by and listening through this three-part series. Study that chapter. Study that book. Digest it. Make it yours. Don't let me own it. Don't let me test it. Test it out for yourself. Make it yours. Everywhere in God's word, make it yours. And someday, that light bulb is going to go off in your head, and you're going to be 
an enlightened one mentally, spiritually, physically, in every way. You know, that light energy, spiritual energy can just permeate your body. They can see you glowing walking down the road. Well, this has been the end, and I've been a joy. This is your host, Mystic Guide. I've been enjoying this three-part teaching. It's been burning on my heart for a long time to teach this. There's probably a better way to teach it. There's probably a greater way to teach it. I imagine a seminar, and this is in the future, a seminar live where I mix the science of Genesis with this kingdom reign. I can see when you teach the science of Genesis and all the things pertaining to the things that we learn in Genesis, which are scientifically been proven. For instance, God said he parted the earth or the waters, and part of the waters on this side of the earth all gathered to the earth and the waters on the other side of heaven. Well, what does that mean? There's H2O on the other side of heaven in all kinds of form. In all kinds of ways. That's science of Genesis. And a woman in 1920 discovered that hydrogen is a building block of the universe. So Moses taught that 3,500 years ago. That's just a sample. I want to end this with a prayer, and then we're going to go and walk out and glow as if we are already kings of a kingdom. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus Christ for having given us this truth, this faith, this understanding, having given us your son, Jesus Christ, who made all of this available to us, we didn't have to work for it. Like he said, believe on him whom God has sent. That is Jesus Christ. Thank you. This is Mystic Guide, your host. And part three of uh, Our Kingdom Reign is done. You can go on Spotify and see it in your language. And God bless you all. Bless you in the chat room. I see you there. I acknowledge you there. And in the name of Jesus Christ, see you next week. Same time, same place at the tea party.